a lot of familiar faces, some new faces, and uh, thank you, preacher, for letting me come. I count it a privilege every time I come here, one of my favorite places in the world to come and preach, and of course, this is the first time I've been in this building other than the wedding for Miss Savannah, but I'm excited about being here tonight, amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, and uh, while you're standing, thank you, Brother Pope. Don't you love Brother Stephen Pope? Don't you love Miss Tammy Pope? I love you, and I love you. And he said they count us as dear friends, and we do the same. And uh, I love you. I mean that with all my heart. And uh, appreciate a man of God. Amen. Appreciate a man of God. Y'all got one, and you better hold on to him. You better be good to him. And you better pray for him. And you better protect him. I heard about one fellow who would not been saved but a couple weeks Somebody outside the church was running the preacher down after he got done preaching and he just hauled off and hit him right in the nose. Knocked him on the ground. One of the ushers come running and said, Brother, what are you doing? What are you doing? You can't do that. He said, Well, he just said something about what the preacher just preached. He said, That's all. You can't do that. The Bible said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He said, Well, you go tell God that's one he ain't got to worry about. (laughs) You take care of that preacher and his wife. They love God. I, I tell you what, I'm a little intimidated coming down here. And I know somebody is behind the scenes planning and doing. And it's impressive. This church is impressive. Uh, that The order. And the Bible said, let all things be done decently and in order. Amen. And boy, what an example Calvary Baptist Church is. And I thank you, preacher, for letting me come. It's an honor. We've got a lot of our folks joining by live stream. I kind of tricked them tonight. I did a pre-recorded live stream at the church. I don't know how to do that, but my son knows how to do that. And so we went live at seven o'clock there, but I was actually here. Voodoo, I reckon it is. And uh, But then I told them at the end, hey, y'all come join on at Calvary Baptist Union Grove. So if y'all joined on, I saw a few a little while ago. Thank y'all for joining as well. Let's turn to the contents. And I'm serious. Brother Cox and Brother Seth, they didn't leave a whole lot, so I'm going to preach out of the contents tonight. Right there at the front, y'all know where I'm talking about. The books of the Bible, 66 of them, that's where I'm going. And I'm interested in one in particular. Y'all probably think I'm crazy, but this is what the Lord put on our heart to preach tonight. And I want to mind Him, amen. And I'm interested in one book in particular, and that is the book of Esther. You look down through there, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And it wasn't long ago, I was studying through the Old Testament, and I've been reading the Bible. I preached a funeral today, and I had a lot of order of services printed up, and there they went. Uh, I went through the... uh, Went through the Word of God last year at a crazy pace. I don't know, it's just something God impressed on me to do. And last year, the Lord let me read the New Testament 14 times and the whole Bible on top of that five more times. Last year, almost 10,000 chapters I read in 2021. And I began to see things that I'd not seen before reading that much. It's average, uh, probably around 24, 25 chapters per day uh, that I read last year. And I just want to give you a thought out of this tonight on the prophecy of Esther. The prophecy of Esther. How many of you know Jesus is coming? Oh, yes. He could come any moment. I believe in the imminent return of Christ. That means nothing has to happen for Jesus to come. He could just come. Amen. And you shouldn't say the soon coming because soon pushes it out a little bit. We don't believe in the soon coming of Christ. Do we believe in the imminent return of Christ? Any moment, any second, right now, he could be here. Boy, how many of you know that that would fix a lot of things in our lives? There's not one bad thing in your life right now that a trip to heaven's not gonna fix. Can I say that again? There's not one circumstance, not one situation, not one heartache, not one betrayal, not one physical ailment, not one financial trouble that a trip to heaven's not gonna fix. Boy, say like John the beloved, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. What you hollering about? It's just the way I roll. Y'all gotta deal with it, amen. And he invited me. Don't blame me, amen. I I just got to be me. The book of Esther. 
Now, I'm not going to read any scripture, but I just want you to keep your text open right there in the Old New Testament uh, books of the Bible. And we're going to show you a little bit of something that I saw that blessed the fire out of me. I about jumped over my desk when I saw it. I called my dad up. I said, Dad, have you ever preached this? He said, no, but send it to me. I'm going to preach it Sunday. And he did. You can be seated. The prophecy of Esther. I was reading through and looking and seeing some things and one of the most amazing books in your Bible is the book of Esther. It's only 10 chapters. It's not very long. You'll not find God mentioned in it one time as far as name. You'll not find the Spirit in it. You'll not find Christ in it. You'll not find Jehovah in it. Lord, you'll not find any of that. Watch you. You won't see God named one time in the book of Esther yet. I say upon uh, the authority of God's word and also the, the, the witness of the Holy Ghost, you can see him on the backside working, amen. You can see him behind the scenes working in the life of Esther and in the life of Israel. In spite of the omission of the name of deity in the book of Esther, uh, I believe that it's probably the greatest book of providence that you find in your Bible. How God is behind the curtain. How God is behind the scene. Can I just encourage somebody right now? You might not be seeing God do a lot in the open in your life, but that does not mean God is not working in the background of your life. I still believe Romans 8, 28 is in the book, all things work together for good. How many of you believe that tonight? Oh, yes, and just because you cannot see God working in your life does not mean that he's not there. The book of Esther is one of two books in the Bible that were named after women. Oh, Ruth is a book that is named after a woman and Esther is a book that was named after a woman. It's amazing how the two are very similar. Uh, Ruth was a Gentile that married a Jew. Uh, Esther was a Jew that married a Gentile. When you see the book of Ruth, you know that that is a book about the providential hand of God. Uh, you know that it is a book where God is working behind the scenes. Even though Ruth and Naomi cannot see it, God is working in the heart of both. Boaz, and even Ruth goes out there to pick some grain and she finds handfuls of purpose. And so Ruth is a book about providence and Esther is a book about providence. I love studying these two books. The book of Ruth is one of my favorites and Esther has become one of the favorite books that I have been studying in the last year. Esther was a Jew that married a Gentile and both of them experienced the providence of God. Now, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not the cousin of a Calvinist. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not even a neighbor to a Calvinist. Can I get an amen right there? I believe in a whosoever will God. That's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But I'll tell you this, I still believe in the sovereignty of God. I still believe that we've got a God that's got his hand on the steering wheel. I still believe that we've got a God who has his hand upon the throttle. If I didn't believe that this evening, I'd go crazy in this world of perilous time. But isn't it good to know that we've got a Father in heaven that knows where we are and he knows the very hairs on our head. It's good to know God is in control. Boy, you find that in this passage of Scripture. We find in the book of Esther a young lady who is in a difficult situation. Uh, uh, Esther has uh, lost her mom and dad. She's an orphan. She has an uncle by the name of Mordecai. And uh, he's a great man and he loves her and he takes care of her. Uh, but we know that Esther is in a hard situation. Now I could preach a few things about Esther. I preached a series uh, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of it tonight. I preached on the peril of Esther. How that Haman wanted to destroy the Jews. Can I say something right here? Anybody that hates the Jews hates God. That wasn't loud enough. I said anybody that hates the Jews hates God. Genesis 12 is still in the Bible. He said, I'll bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. The day America turns their back on Israel, God might turn his back upon America. You study the Old Testament, New Testament, both. You'll find that there are different sins that God will judge a nation for. He will judge a nation for homosexuality, homosexuality, sodomy, homosexuality. It's still a sin. 
Amen. Still a sin, he'll judge a nation for homosexuality. I said he'll judge a nation for homosexuality. He'll judge a nation for killing of innocent blood. Now you can go study your Bible and find this to be true. He'll, he'll destroy a, a, a nation or a city for sodomy. He'll destroy them for killing innocent blood. And the third thing God judges a people for is the sin of witchcraft. And you know what? America's guilty of all three of those sins. Homosexuality. I mean, you can't even watch a ball game now. You, you can't even watch Andy Griffith without them putting in a, a 60-year-old man uh, kissing on another 60-year-old man talking about how they're glad they got health coverage. I'm going to tell you, God, help us. We're in a shape in this country. We've got homosexuality. We've got uh, uh, abortion. Over 60 million babies been killed since 73. Uh, we've got witchcraft and Satanism and, and God hating all over this nation. And yet God's judgment has not fallen. Uh, well, last election you might could say it did, but at any rate, I'm not going to go there. I'm yet to find anybody that voted for that old guy. I really... Why has God not judged this nation like he has others? I'm going to tell you why I believe it. With all my heart, why I believe God's not judged this nation is because she has still been a friend to Israel. Haman wanted to kill the Israelites. He wanted to wipe them up off the ground. He wanted to destroy them on a certain day at a certain time. He said, I want all of those Jews dead. We know the story of how at the end of the day, Haman was hanged by his own gallows that he had built. Because I'm gonna tell you why at the end of the day, when all is said and done, there's only two things that's still gonna be here. Y'all listen to what I'm gonna say. There's only two things that are gonna be here when it's all said and done. One is the church and the other is the nation Israel. Well, I'm preaching all right, Brother Looney. You're liking it, amen. I said, when it's all said and done, Brother Ricky, there's only two things that's still gonna be here, the church of the living God and the Israel. You better stay with the church and you better stay with the nation Israel. You better pray for your church and you need to pray for Israel. Oh, yes. Did you know there's only one nation in the history of the world that disappeared and reappeared? There's only one, Israel. Now there have been other nations and civilizations and empires that disappeared and wiped off of the scene, but not a one of them come back, but guess who came back? Israel did. Because God was not finished with her. God had a plan for her. Boy, I began looking at these verses and and going into this contents, and I want y'all to see what I saw. Let's start with 1 and 2 Chronicles. How many books you gonna preach, preacher? Don't worry about that. I'm just gonna skim it. So I can talk about the peril, the danger against Israel with Haman, but let's look at the prophecy. The prophecy of Israel. In this table of contents, if you will. These books of the Old Testament, starting with 1 and 2 Chronicles. It's amazing where God placed the book of Esther. See, I don't believe anything in this book is by coincidence. I believe every word of God is pure. And I even believe God, I'm not going to talk about inspiring the, the, the ones that were part of the canon, but I do believe there was some divine leadership in the arrangement of Genesis to Revelations. Everybody all right? Oh, yes. Uh, you understand our Bible is not in chronological order. I would challenge you some year to read the Bible in chronological order. Go, go get you, they've got them online. You can print out the Bible in chronological order. But the book of Genesis is not the first or the oldest book of the Bible. Uh, Genesis is not. But you know what? In the order, God, uh, God moved upon even those that were in that canon uh, uh, arrangement who put the 66 books together. I'm not going to say they were inspired, but I do believe that they uh, were led by the Holy Ghost to put them in there. I know there were no chapters when they put the scriptures together. I know that there were no verses. All of that came centuries later. Is everybody all right? 
made it easier to understand. And that's why you got to read the Bible in context. That's why you don't just pick and choose the verses you want because it's very important to read them in context. Everybody hearing the preacher? So I want to show you something that I saw. You might not enjoy it. You might not, it might not bless you. We were coming down the road tonight. Miss Rebecca said, what are you going to preach? She knew better than to ask that. I never tell her. This is what I usually say. The kids say, Dad, what's preaching tonight? Or what are you preaching on? I say, the platform. <laughs> well, what book are you going to be preaching out of? I'm going to say, the Bible. I just don't ever tell. And I, she said, what are you preaching on? I said, you know better than to ask that. I said, what would be a good one to preach? She said, a short one. Don't you just love the support? So I'll try not to be real long, but I want to go through these and I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Hey, y'all, Jesus is coming. God really wrote this book. This is God's book. All those 40 men over 1,600 years that pinned it down, they were moved by the Holy Ghost to write it. I'll show you something. Second Chronicles, at the end of Second Chronicles, when you get to the end of Second Chronicles, You know what's taking place? Nebuchadnezzar has come and he's wiped up the ground with Jerusalem and he's scattered the Jews and he's took them into bondage and he's going back to Babylon. We know where that leads into is the book of Daniel. I'm not going to go into all that. But here's what I'm going to show you prophetically what that could be a picture of. Nebuchadnezzar's scattering of the Jews I believe could be picture of the AD 70 scattering of the Jews. After Jesus died on Calvary, after the Jews rejected him, said, we will not have this man rule over us. You know what the Bible said? Jesus said that they'd be scattered. And in AD 70, under General Titus, they were scattered to the four corners of the earth. And they disappeared. And there was no Jewish state There was no nation of Israel. That's exactly what you find at the end of 2 Chronicles. You find the nation Israel in disarray. Is everybody hearing the preacher? Well, guess what the next book of the Bible is? Ezra. In the book of Ezra, there's a few of them that came back and started preparing the land. Oh, Lord have mercy. There's a few of them that came back and started preparing the land. In World War I, there was a Balfour Declaration of 1917 that made it possible for a few Jews to go back to the homeland. Somebody ought to hear this. You can see that in the book of Ezra. There's some coming back in. There's some coming back in, trying to restore it, trying to bring it back. In 1917, after that declaration from Great Britain, a few Jews started coming back to the homeland. But guess what? They didn't come back quick enough. So you know what I believe God did? I believe God allowed that wicked Hitler to rear up so it would be in the hearts of the Jewish people to go back home. Somebody hear us. Somebody hear what I'm saying. What did I break? Somebody ought to hear. Everybody look up here and hear this. I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be good. World War I prepared Israel for the Jew. And World War II prepared the Jew for Israel. Y'all hear what I just said? When Hitler reared up and killed over six million Jews, they've been wanting to go back. They've been wanting to go back. They've been wanting to go back. And that's what you find in the book of Ezra. They start coming back. But hear this and hear this well. What's the next book in your Bible? Look at it. Second Chronicles, Ezra. What's next? Nehemiah. Nehemiah was over yonder in the king's house being a cupbearer. I'm just preaching. I hope y'all listening. He was over yonder being a cupbearer in the king's house and he asked, how is it over yonder in Jerusalem? They said, it's in a poor shape. It's bad. The walls are still torn down. And Nehemiah got it in his heart that he was gonna go back and establish the walls of Jerusalem. Now look here, Second Chronicles, they're scattered. Ezra, they start coming back in little by little. But in Nehemiah, they rebuilt the boundary. Guess what happened in 1948? They reestablished 
the boundary. I'm just showing you what the Lord showed me. I hope it'll help you. They reestablished the boundary in 1948 uh, when they uh, made Israel a nation again. A picture of how Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around the city that would separate the Gentiles from the Jews. And in 1948, after the Second World War, Israel became a sovereign nature, nation again. Somebody ought to hear that. Israel's the only nation that ever disappeared to reappear lately, later. No other nation has ever done that. In 1948, she came back on the scene as a nation. And anybody that knows the history knows, my friend, that God was involved in that reestablishment of the nation Israel. You want to get blessed? Go study the six-day war. Go study the sovereign act of God, a sovereign acts of God in the six-day war. God's not done with the Jews. Now watch this. I love studying numbers. I love studying numbers. Number three is the number for the Trinity. Number five, y'all know what that is? Grace. Six is the number of man. Four is the number of the world. Seven is the complete number of God's perfect number. Eight is the number of new beginning. Ten, the number of responsibility. Twelve, the number of government. On and on and on it goes. Forty is the number for judgment or trial. You know what the number 14 in the word of God is? The number 14 in the word of God is the number for deliverance. Now, this blessed the fire out of me. Did you know what day it was? that Israel was delivered from Egypt in the book of Exodus, the 14th day. And you know, in Exodus 14, 14, here's what the Bible said, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Do you know there was 14 years difference between Isaac and Ishmael? Hmm. Go to Matthew 1, don't go there, but in your mind, I go to Matthew 1 and think about it. There's three Divisions of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. How many divisions? Three, and they're all divided by 14, 14, 14. 14 generations. 14 generations. 14 generations. What day did the Passover take place on? The 14th day of the month. Do you understand that Jesus died on the cross on the 14th day of the month? Deliverance. Mm. I'm going to bless you right here. Do you know what day Haman was hung? The 14th day of the month. Well, glory to God. Makes me want to jump up and down south. Now watch this. 1948, Israel became a nation again. You know what day? May 14th. Oh, preacher, that's not that big a deal. May 14th, 1948, deliverance. But I got better than that. You don't have to be a Trump fan to like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Clinton lied, Bush lied, and Obama lied. But when Donald Trump said, we're going to put the embassy in Jerusalem, he did what he said he was going to do. Yes. Do you know what day the embassy opened? May 14th, 2018. Let me go further. Y'all want something better than that? 70 years. 70 years to the day from the time Israel became a nation to the time the embassy was reestablished in Jerusalem was 70 years. Do you know what the word number 70 is in the Bible? Israel's restoration. That's what my brain did. You say, why? Because God is behind the scenes. God is working behind the scenes. He's working all things together. You need to get your jumping shoes on. Jesus is about to come. I didn't read that in a fairy tale book. I didn't read that in a Dr. Seuss book. I saw that in the headlines, friend. We're watching prophecy be fulfilled before our very eyes. Jesus is coming. Oh, preacher, I'm so tired I can't keep going. It ain't time to quit. It ain't time to give up. 
Jesus is coming. Now watch this. You got Second Chronicles, which is a picture of the dispersion of the Jews. You've got Ezra, which is a picture of a few of them coming back to the homeland. You've got Nehemiah. They're building the wall. They're building the border. A picture of Israel becoming a nation again. Nehemiah. Esther. You know what the book of Esther is a picture of? The rapture of the church. Huh? Preacher, how do you say that? Well, when the when it starts, there's a Gentile queen who will not obey her king. She's living in disobedience to her king because he says, go reveal yourself. She won't go show herself. She won't go reveal herself. So he takes her out of the picture. And in these last days, the king of kings has a Gentile bride who will not get out of the highways and hedges, who will not go out and tell the good news. And so the day will come when he takes her out of the way. And then guess who he starts dealing with? Started dealing with a Jew bride. Y'all see what I see? He took the Gentile bride out and he started working with the Jew bride. Somebody hear what I'm saying. I'm glad one of these days, hallelujah, the church is getting out of here even though we may be disobedient, even though we may not be what we ought to be. I thank God he's coming from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Aren't you glad we're gonna get out of here? Now don't get nervous. But Jesus shouted. There's three times in your Bible you can find where Jesus shouted. I don't like that, Brother Jeremy. Where's he at? Where's he at? Where's song leader at? Bless Brother Jeremy. Don't say Jeremy. Don't you know COVID's going everywhere? If they think I'm Jeremy, they won't shake my hand. I don't know about that Jeremy Simpson. He's loud. He spits. He told me, he said, I'm going to be on the front row. He said, I'm ready for all the slobber you can give me. That's what he said. Now watch this. I don't like it loud. That brother Pope, sometimes he gets beside himself. Well, I heard somebody the other day say, well, glory. Woo! I like shouting. Somebody say amen. And it's okay to shout. It's okay to lift your voice and praise God. Amen, everybody needs to do a few things before they die. You need to get saved. You need to win somebody else to God and you need to have you an old-fashioned Jordan-wide shouting spell. Three things every child of God needs. Make sure they're saved, get somebody else saved, and then every now and again just let your hair down and say, well, glory, hallelujah. Well, I don't believe in that shouting Jesus shouted. First time I see he shouted was at the grave of Lazarus with a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come forth. One came out. Second time I see in the word of God he shouted was at Calvary when he said with a loud voice, it is finished. And the Bible said many of the saints that slept came out. But in 1 Thessalonians 4, he's going to shout again and all of us are coming out. It's okay to shout. You say, preacher, what does that shout mean? It's a commanding shout. That word shout there is like a general's shout. Hut, two, three, ho, ho. Y'all know all that stuff. I, I wasn't ever in the service. Brother Looney can tell you about it. If he can remember, he'll tell you all about it. But that general shout, he's a commanding. When Jesus comes, he's coming with a commanding shout. You say, preacher, who's he commanding? Well, he's going to tell the grave, let them out. He's going to tell the demons and devils of the air, let them through. And he's going to shout to the gate of heaven, let them in, amen. He's coming with a shout. Esther is a picture of the rapture of the church. Now watch this, Esther, Job. How many of you would say amen to this? I don't know if there's ever a man beside the Lord Jesus that ever endured a tribulation 
like Job endured. I think you could look at the book of Job and right at the top of it, the tribulation of Job. Could you not? Job is a picture of the tribulation. Somebody ought to hear this. Somebody will hear what I'm going to say right here. Do you know there's the tribulation and there's the great tribulation? Do you know how many months the great tribulation is on the nation of Israel? 42 months. How many chapters are in the book of Job? 42 chapters. Job endured a tribulation for 42 chapters and Israel will endure a tribulation for 42 months. Is anybody hearing this? But it goes better than that. My Bible said in the first chapter of the book of Job that he was a man of the land of us. You know where us was? <laughs> Brother Pope, I'm telling you, I was reading this stuff, studying this stuff, I about had 14 choir spells. You know what us was? It's the land of the Edomites. Job suffered in the land of Edom. Do you know where the Jews are going to run to in the 42 months of great tribulation? They are going to run to a place called Petra, which is in the land of the Edomites. That's where you say, man, God wrote that book. Ricky, God wrote that book. There's no accidents in that book. 42 chapters of tribulation and Israel will endure 42 uh, 42 months of tribulation. Let me show you something else. The next book, look at it. What is it there in the book, in the contents? The book of what? Psalms. Do you know what the book of Psalms is? A song in trouble. A song in trouble. A song in trouble. How many Psalms are about trouble in the nighttime and going through trial and going through tribulation? If you're going through a hard time, I point you to the songs of Israel. I point you to the Psalms because you'll get you some help over there. You know what the book of Psalms is about? Even in the tribulation. God is going to give Israel a song. At the end of Psalms, you come to the book of Proverbs. There have been a lot of Bible writers that have called the book of Proverbs the Old Testament Sermon on the Mount. Any Bible students in here tonight? Anybody that studies their Bible? You'd be amazed what you find in if you just start reading. The book of Proverbs is about wisdom. The book of Proverbs is how you can have a wonderful life letting it be rained, rained upon by the wisdom of God. It's a picture of the millennial kingdom of Christ. How the wisdom of God himself will come down with a rod of iron and he will rule upon this world for 1,000 years with the wisdom from on high. The Sermon on the Mount is a millennial text, by the way, and Proverbs is called the Sermon on the Mount of the Old Testament. That's not by coincidence, my friend. God wrote this Bible. What's the next book? Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. At the end of the thousand years, Satan's going to be loosed for a season. He's going to deceive many. Christ is going to defeat him and throw him in the lake of fire. What a day that's going to be, amen. Now watch this. Quit worrying about the end of the world. It ain't going to happen yet. I'm worried about the end of the world. I'm worried about nuclear bombs. I'm worried about a, a world war that's going to wipe out and devastate the world. Quit worrying about it. If Jesus came right now, this world would still be sitting here 1,007 years. If Jesus came right now, it would be here another 1,007 years because you've got seven years of tribulation and you've got 1,000 years for Jesus to rule and reign on this earth. But at the end of the millennial kingdom, Satan will be thrown into hell. I'm in Revelation 20 now. I said, dear God, you started in Genesis. Would you hurry up and get finished? No, watch this. Revelation 20, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. What's the very next text? What's the very next passage? And I saw a great white throne judgment. 
The book of Ecclesiastes is a picture of the great white throne judgment. Now let's go back. Second Chronicles, Israel is dispersed. Ezra, a few of them come back home. Nehemiah, uh, they begin to rebuild the boundaries, a picture of 1948. Esther, a picture of the rapture of the church where the Gentile bride is gone and the Jew bride is dealt with. Uh, the book of Job, a picture of the tribulation of Israel. Psalms, a picture of how God will still give Israel a song during the tribulation. Proverbs, a picture of the millennial, millennial kingdom and now you come to Ecclesiastes. Do you know what Ecclesiastes is all about, brother? Old Solomon starts talking about this and that and this and that. You know what he's doing? He's judging everything. He's judging everything under the sun. Is that not what's going to take place at the great white throne judgment? Everything under the sun is going to be judged. The dead, small, and great are going to be judged. Now watch this. I want to just show you how correct your Bible is. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's about time he reads some scripture. I've done preached more scripture than you can handle already. Just because I didn't take a text, you'll be all right. Some of you don't ever read your Bible anyway. I'm just trying to keep up with you. Come on now. Look at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 12. All throughout Ecclesiastes, everything under the sun is being judged. Everything under the sun is being judged by Solomon. And look how it ends. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter, of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Ain't that amazing? You've got 2 Chronicles, Jews dispersed, Ezra, some of them coming back, Nehemiah, they restore the border, a picture of 1948, uh, Esther, a rapture, and God starts dealing with the Jews. 42 chapters of Job's tribulation, a picture of the tribulation, and Psalms, and Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. But y'all, what's the next book? Song of Solomon. You know what takes place in Song of Solomon? There's a little bride, and there's a little bridegroom, and they're in love, and they're going to have a wedding, and they're going to live happily ever after. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Did y'all see? I'm telling you, Esther's a prophecy. It's right in the middle. God put it right in the middle of all of those things. That cannot be by accident. That cannot be by coincidence. Our God wrote that Bible. Our God is a God of order. You say, preacher, why did you come in here tonight and preach that to us? Because I just want to encourage you that weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. I know it's hard. I know it's bleak. I know it's dark. I know you're tired. I know you're weary, but don't quit right now. Don't give up right now. I see him on the horizon. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It ain't time to quit. Can y'all do something for me when you get home tonight? I want you to read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Right there. And then when you get done reading those two chapters, take you about 10 to 15 minutes. Go over to Revelation and read chapter 21 and chapter 22. Would y'all do that? Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21 and 22. The first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible. The first two chapters and the last two chapters. You know what you ain't gonna find? You're not gonna find one mention of Satan, Lucifer, devil, demon, Beelzebub, evil spirit. You're not going to find it in Genesis 1 and 2. And you're not going to find the devil in Genesis 21 and 22. You say, why, preacher? Because our God is the first and the last. Our God is the beginning and he's the end. Our God is the alpha and he is the omega. Everything started with our God. Everything's going to end up with our God. Everything's all right in the 
quit. It is what it is. I've said that to Miss Rebecca probably a thousand times over the last two years. What's your opinion on COVID? None of your business. I wish everybody was that way. Boy, ain't that good preacher. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. If you want to get the punch, get the punch. If you don't want to get the punch, don't get the punch. Hello now. I'm just tired of it. I'm just telling you, I'm tired of it. Sick of it. We have been out of church at Thanks to Calvary seven out of the last 11 services. Online, seven of the last 11. I'm ready to go to church. COVID's so bad up there right now. I'm trying my best to be smart and protect my people, but I'm tired of it. Come on now. I'm tired of a tyrannical government. Hello, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Vegetarian. They're all wicked as a devil. My hope's not in a Reagan resurrection. My hope is not in a Donald Trump. My hope is not in Joe Biden nor Kamala Harris, the president. My hope is that Jesus is coming. I'm looking for him to come. I'm going to work till he gets here. That's the prophecy of Esther. He's coming, y'all. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. You see the peril. Haman's wanting to destroy him. You see the prophecy. But you see the picture of Esther. Oh, dear God, he just said another point. The book of Esther is one of the greatest pictures of redemption in your Bible. Because there's old wicked Haman who's a picture of the devil. Oh, he's a good picture of the devil. Out to destroy the Jews. You know what he wanted? He wanted to take everybody he could to death, to destruction, to disarray. He wanted to do everything he could to destroy his life. Can I just say something right here? The devil's got no good intentions for you. None. You can't believe a word he says. He's a liar. He's a knothead. You go tell him I said so. You're on speaking terms with him. Go tell him I said so. He's a knothead. I can't believe he called the devil a knothead. Well, I got Bible for it. The seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. He's a knothead. Ever since Calvary, he's walked around with a big old goose egg on his head because Jesus defeated him. Somebody say amen. He's a knothead. Let's just get real honest. He's a jerk. I hate him. But he's getting what's coming. And old Mordecai finds out what he's doing. Mordecai goes over to Esther and said, hey, Esther, you've got to do something. You've got to get in there and talk to the king. I can't go talk to the king. If he don't welcome me in, he'll destroy me. I can't go in there. And he said, but you've got to do something. It's for such a time as this. Maybe you were appointed, y'all with me? Y'all, y'all in the Bible, chapter 4 right there. And in chapter 4, he said, for such a time as this, you've got to talk to him. And, and, and Esther went over and she, she, she got her a bath and she put perfume all over herself. And she went out there and stood in the courtyard outside the throne room. She kind of just sat there till the king raised the scepter and ushered her in. She came in. He said, what can I do for you? She said, you got to do something. He said, what are, you, what are you talking about? She said, you got to do something. Oh, Haman's has started talking about Haman, how he's got this idea that he's wanting to destroy the Jews and he's wanting to kill them and he's wanting to wipe up the ground with them and nothing be left. And oh, Lord, uh, the king, Ahasuerus, he said, what's well, that to you? She said, because I'm a Jew. And she said, the day he kills the Jews, I'm going to die too. You know what he said? I can't do nothing about it. What I've said, I've said. I've made the decree. I've already put it into law. You know what Esther said? I know you can't change the old law. But she said, you can write a new law. Well, glory to God. I know he's not going to change the old law. The Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi is just as much the word of God as Matthew to Revelation. But aren't you glad that he wrote a new law? Son, I'm about to shout. 
The old law has said you're going to die. But the new law said you get to live. The Old Testament said the soul that sinneth shall surely die. But the New Testament said I bring eternal life. Amen. He wouldn't destroy the old law, but guess what the king did? He wrote a new law. Somebody shout hallelujah for the new law. Amen. Now watch this. Well, he wrote that new law. That old law said you're gonna die, but the new law said you're gonna live. And he said, I'll write a new law. And he sealed it with his signet. And they said, how are we gonna get this message out? How are we going to get this message out? You know what the Bible says? You can go study this right there in the book of Esther. You go read them 10 chapters a night and bless the fire out of you. You know what they said? Let's make copies. Everybody hold up your copy. Mm. Let's make copies of the new law. Everybody hold up your copy. You got a new covenant. You got a new testament. You got a new law. That old testament says you're going to die. That old testament says you're under condemnation. But the new law says in Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation. They said let's make a new law and then let's make some copies of it. Everybody in this building ought to run to Goobertown, Arkansas and back because you got a copy of the new law. And so they made copies. And then they did something else. They called all the writers they could find. And they brought them in to the king and gave them copies of the new law. And they said, we want you to go all over this countryside. We want you to go all over this countryside and post it. It's in your Bible. You know where we get the term postmaster, post office, Postman is because years ago at intersections, if they had something special to announce, they would absolutely nail it to a post. And people would be coming along with their wagons and their mules. Well, they got a new, look yonder, let's see what they said. And they'd go up and read that post. Somebody ought to hear this. They would take that copy. Mm. They would take the copy of the word of the king. They would take the copy of the word of the king and they would put it on a post. They would literally nail it to a post. The Bible said in John chapter number one that the word was God and the word was with God. And you know what happened? The word of the king came to this world and it was nailed to a post. They nailed it to an old rugged tree. You know what it says? When you see the word hanging on the tree, you don't have to die you don't have to die you don't have to die you don't have to go to hell you're not under condemnation aren't you glad that you read a copy of the word on the post you know what I love about this the Bible says they took them copies and they gave it them postmen and said some of them was on horses some of them was on camels and some of them was on mules. Anybody ever worked with a mule? I'm not talking to the pastor. He could probably name a few mules. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with a thoroughbred horse. Man, they're like lightning. <laughs> taking the message. A camel... You know, camels walk two feet, two feet. They don't walk like horses. They, they call them the ship of the desert because they do like this when they walk. They're going to be a little faster than a mule. Not that the mule can't be fast. He just chooses not to be fast. Huh? Anybody ever seen a mule do that? I saw my grandpa work mules. That old mule plant his hoof. Would not budge. I know some Baptists that are horses. You give them a job to do, bam, gone, got it done. I know some camels. It takes them a while, but they're durable. And they'll get the job done. And then this church has got mules in it. 
the church, we got the greatest message. There's nothing wrong with the message. You don't have to die. You get to live. The problem is we got 100-fold Christians, horses, 60-fold Christians, camels, and 30-fold Christians, mules. And then we got people in our churches. Well, I would do something for God, but I'm a mule, not a horse. Look at that horse over there. She thinks she's something. I would, I would teach a Sunday school class, Brother Pope, but I'm a mule. I don't have the ability of the horse. I don't have the durability of the camel. I'm just a mule. Now, now come on now. We beat ourselves up for not having the talent somebody else has. You might as well say amen or old me. Quit comparing whether or not you're a horse or a camel or a mule and just get the message and take it to the lost world. If you gotta go as a mule, go take the message. If you gotta go as a camel, go take the message. If you can go fast like a horse, go take the message. You don't have to die. You get to live. Well, amen, 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 amen. And then there's another one down there. You know what it was? Young dromedaries. Horses, mules, camels, young dromedaries. You know what a young dromedary was? A young camel. Can I help you young people? Just because you're not a full-grown horse, a full-grown camel, or a full-grown mule, you're just a little dromedary, if you've got a copy of the message, go put it on a post. Son, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The greatest message that I could ever bring to anyone tonight is this. You don't have to die. Satan has been defeated. Haman has been defeated. God has written a new law and you can live. Let's get out of the four walls of this church and if we're riding on a horse, go. If we're riding on a mule, go. If we're riding a camel, go. If we're a young dromedary, just get out there and tell the message. Greatest picture of salvation one of the greatest pictures of salvation you'll ever see. The peril, the prophecy, and the picture of the book of Esther. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I got great news tonight, church. Jesus is coming. And in the meantime, we better stop making excuses for why we're not getting the message out. We better stop making excuses. Well, I'm not like so-and-so. I can't witness like so-and-so. I, I you might not be able to talk. You, you, you might be an old mule that can't talk. But, but a mule could carry a track. A mule could pray. But preacher, I, 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 I stutter and stammer when I try. But a mule could pass out a gospel track. A mule could pray for those that can talk. Man, I wish I could give $100 to missions every week, but I don't have it. What you're trying to say is you're making an excuse for not doing the work of a mule because you're not a horse. God didn't ask you to be a horse if he made you a mule. He didn't ask you to be a horse if he made you a camel. You young dromedaries, he's not interested in you being a horse. He's interested in you doing what you can do. And if we do what we can, God can do what we can't. Calvary Baptist Church, I want to encourage you this evening. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. But until he comes, there's a message to go put on the post. There's a message to go put on the post. Let's stand all over the building this evening. Is anybody carrying the message? Is anybody carrying the message? Is anybody come to this altar tonight? And say, Lord, till you come, I want to occupy. I want to keep on busy carrying the gospel message. Lord, don't let me compare myself with this one or that one. But Lord, just use me for what I am. God, just use me for what I am. You may not have the heritage somebody else has. You may not have the resources someone else has. 
You may not have the talents or the abilities that someone else has, but God can use you right where you are. Preacher, I'm just a mule. God used mules to get the message out. God used camels to get the message out. God used horses. Jesus is coming, church. Jesus is coming. Oh, I wonder who tonight that we work with, that we live with, that we go to school with, that cuts our hair, that gets our groceries, that's going to die lost and go to hell because we didn't ride with the message. I wonder who in Union Grove, North Carolina is going to die and go to hell because you were so busy comparing vehicles. You didn't get the message to them. You're too busy comparing this and that instead of just taking the message that you don't have to die. You get to live. You don't have to die. You get to live. And the Bible says in chapter number 8, everywhere that message was taken, there was rejoicing. There was singing. There was laughter. There was dancing. Is there anybody in the building tonight that's glad that somebody brought the message to you? Are you thankful for that bus worker? Are you thankful for that youth worker? Are you thankful for that old time preacher? Are you thankful for that praying granny? Are you thankful for that faithful daddy that brought the message and said, you don't have to die. You can live. You can live. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Pope's coming tonight. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. My soul, what a message tonight. Let me ask just a question or two let you go. I wonder how many are here tonight and you'd say, preacher, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if Jesus if Jesus were to come tonight I know beyond any shadow of any doubt that I'm ready, I'm ready for that imminent return that the preacher preached on tonight. If that's you and you say, pastor I know that I am ready, would you slip your hand up tonight as a testimony I know that I'm ready. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this. Is there anyone here tonight, anyone here tonight, and you'd say, Pastor, I am not ready. I'm not sure that I am ready. If Christ came tonight, I am not sure that I'd be taken out with the church. I'm not sure. And if that's you, can I pray for you tonight? You'd slip your hand up right now. You'd say, Pastor, I am not sure. I see that that young hand. Is there another? Anywhere tonight. Pastor, if I died, I am not sure. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. If you're watching by way of live stream tonight and you say, Pastor, I am not ready. I'm not ready. Hey, I want you to, I want you to raise your hand. If you're watching by way of the live stream, I want you to raise your hand. You say, Pastor, that's me as a testimony. I'm not ready. I'm not. If you're here this evening and you say, Pastor, I'm not ready for the coming of the Lord, I'm going to invite you to come tonight. If you're watching by, by way of live stream, I'm going to invite you to come tonight. And there's a number on the bottom of your screen. And I want you to call that number. We have some workers that are waiting right by the phone right now. They would love to share the gospel with you and how you can know you're going to heaven when you die. How many of you here tonight, you'd say, Preacher, I, I raised my hand a while ago that I'm ready as far as my salvation is concerned. I am ready for the imminent return, but I'm not sure I'd be ready to stand before him. I know I'm saved. I, I, I know I'm saved. I can take you back to the time and place. But I'm not sure that I would be ready to see him, to stand before him with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you right now, you just slip your hand up and say, I need some prayer. In that area, I need some prayer. I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. Yes, 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 yes. I see several hands. I see several hands all around the building tonight. Listen. Could we do this? Could we just decide we're going to start 2022 with a bang? Lord, I want to do everything I can do for you. 
while there are still folks in the altar tonight getting some help, would you just slip out tonight and come and do business with the Lord? Would you do that? Would you come? Father, I'm thankful that you're working in hearts tonight. God, I thank you for this wonderful, wonderful message that we've heard tonight on the prophecy of Esther. God, thank you for reminding us that your coming is imminent. Lord, you're coming. Lord, I'm so thankful that we were able to have revival. Lord, I really feel like because of these days that we've met together, I really feel like we're in a better place tonight than we were when we started. God, you're coming. Nothing's going to change that. But God, when you do come, help us to be ready. Help us to be ready. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask our personal workers that they would just quietly make their way to the front tonight. And if you're here this evening and you say, Preacher, I raised my hand, or Preacher, I didn't raise my hand, but I really need some help tonight. I need some help. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to come tonight. And we have somebody here that's, that's ready to meet you with a Bible. Would you come this evening while we wait? Would you come? Can we help you tonight? We'll pause just for a moment.